is in verse 2. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It's the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love. My dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Now that's the Shulamite saying, I'm asleep. And then this person comes to her gate, comes to her door, and is asking her to open the door. Now that person, symbolically, is the Lord. Okay? And this, verse 3, goes back to the Shulamite. See, this is, sort of, this is a sort of a tricky book. You've got to pay attention when you're reading it. She says, well, I've taken, you know, so here's this guy coming. I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? That was her response to this person who came to her at this very inconvenient time. Okay? I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? The Lord came, and it was an inconvenient time. And she didn't want to open the door to him. Okay? Even though she loved him. She called him my beloved. In fact, she was, she was asleep, but her heart was awake to God. God was moving her life. God was doing something in her life. But when it did come, she, she wouldn't, didn't respond to him that moment. Well, my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. See, there was something in her heart. There was a yearning for God. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh. That was when she put her hand to the door, where he had touched it, there was this myrrh, and, you know, there's all kinds of symbolic things. My fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leaped up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called, I called him, but he gave me no answer. Now, that's a, a picture in the Bible of the Lord visiting somebody. Okay? And this is what I want to say to you. Be careful. I think the Lord wants to visit you. But you'll be careful that you don't miss His day of visitation. All those who yearn for God. You see, that, that dream, you know, even though I think it was real specific, there were some specific things in it, uh, but there, it, there, there's, a greater revel, there's a greater interpretation of that dream. You see, when I came, when I went to Donna's house, it was very much an inconvenient time for somebody to be showing up your house in the middle of the night. You see what I'm saying to you? And and their natural response was, was "Don't come in here. Don't come in here. Because this is not the right time." And I believe I believe the Lord's going to visit people. I believe the Lord wants to visit this church, but He's not going to come at a convenient time. You hear what I'm saying to you? So don't allow your comfort zone, everybody, or the inconvenient time to deceive you. Don't allow that to happen to you. Because it deceived this woman in the Bible. And when she realized what was happening, the very person that she yearned for, the very person, person that she dearly loved, came and she missed him because it was inconvenient. It's a warning. Jesus wept. He wept over Jerusalem, saying, You've missed your day of visitation. You've missed it. And wept, and his heart was broken over that over Jerusalem. Are you all with me? This is what Matthew 5, 25 says. It says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, 
they all slumbered and slept. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom's coming. Go out to meet him at midnight. What an inconvenient time to have a wedding. How, what a terrible time, because that's how they did it back then. You know how they did it back then? They didn't have the wedding until the, until the bridegroom and the bridegroom's father got everything ready. And when it was ready, they would send somebody out to say, It's time. It's time for the wedding. You know, so the people reading this, they knew that's how they... They didn't do weddings like, well, next week at 6 o'clock we're going to go to the ARP Presbyterian Church and send out invitation months ahead so you could schedule it and plan it all out. They didn't do it back then like that. It could, they would just send out a word, there's going to be a wedding. And everybody would be waiting on this word to come. The bridegroom's coming. All of a sudden, whatever you're doing, drop what you're doing because we're fixing to have this wedding. That's how they did weddings back in... In the time of Jesus. And Jesus is talking about the last days. He said they all were sleeping. Everybody was asleep. All the virgins. The good ones, the five wise ones, and the five foolish ones. And, you know, we got some interpretations recently about the virgins, all of them being the churches. And they took their lamps, as you know the story, and began to trim their wicks to get ready because the bridegroom was coming. But the five foolish virgins didn't bring oil with them. And their lamps were going out because they didn't have the oil. They weren't ready. Okay? They weren't ready for the bridegroom because the churches had been involved in stuff that really wasn't God. They didn't get the oil. You know, the oil being the symbolic of the Spirit of God, of the life of God, you know, everything that God is. They didn't have that. Because they weren't ready for Him when He came to visit them. So I'm telling you two things. Number one, He's going to come in an inconvenient, non-traditional, non-normal way. It's going to be when we least expect Him. And number two, He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready like He wanted those virgins. Let's be ready so when the man says, He's coming... Let's be ready. Don't be standing at the door saying, don't come in here. No, I'm here to tell you, He's coming. He's coming. He's going to visit. And now's the time to get the oil. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now I believe it's the time for us to get this oil and make ourselves ready for the Lord. Make ourselves ready for Him. It's now's not the time. Now's not the time for whatever it is that you've been involved in in your life, wherever you've been what your life has been like, what you've involved yourself in, the, maybe the cares of the world, the sin, or whatever it is, the way you've done things. I'm telling you, I want to give you a vision this morning that God is coming to visit us. He's going to, I don't know how He's going to come. I don't know when He's going to come. But I know it's probably going to be inconvenient. I know it's probably going to take us out of our comfort zone. I know it's going to come at a time we least expect Him. But I'm saying to you, Let's prepare ourselves for Him. Let's get the oil now. Let's wake up. Let's shake off the things that are on us. Let's become aware of all the demonic schemes that have been planted against us, that deceive us and trick us. You know, Sarah was prophesying this morning when she was saying, it's a new day. It's a new day. It really is. It's a new day. We've got to wake up that it's a new day. It's not like it was, and it's not going to be like it was yesterday. Does anybody believe anything I'm saying to you? Because I believe the women in that dream represents our church. 
not only are they individuals, uh, I believe they represent our church. You know, the church is a woman, if anybody didn't know that, you know, the bride of Christ. And the Bible didn't go for that same sex stuff. In other words, Jesus ain't married no man. We're a girl. That's what we are. We're a girl. The church is a female. She's not a guy. And we need to face that. Look at this. I've been studying this thing in Acts, going over and over this thing in Acts and Joel about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And on my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will. Who do we think we are to resist God using women? Who do we think we are? That is the most stupid thing in the world. That's the tradition of man, if there ever was one. Psalm 68:11. The Lord gives the command. The women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. The women. I'm saying to this church what I was telling those women in the dream. The Lord's coming. Now, I believe uh, Mary Magusu may represent women her age. Okay? That God wants to visit. I don't think it's just Mary. I think women her age, God really wants to visit you. God really does want to visit you. And Donna, unfortunately, you represent women the other age. That's right. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I was said, huh? Single women. Yeah. Yeah. What do you represent? Old married women. <laughs> I'm just saying, I believe this really is the Lord. Okay, because this ain't what, like I say, I had to fight my tendency to want to teach everything. I had to fight it. It's a fight inside of me to want to be a teacher instead of just saying, this is what God's saying. And God's saying, you don't have to teach that. Just tell them. That's what I'm saying. Just tell them. Tell them. Tell them I'm coming. Tell them I'm going to visit them. Tell them I love Israel. I do love Israel. I was thinking this morning, that might be the one redeeming factor for George Bush is that, you know, they are going to find some stuff over there that shouldn't be there. And they really are. In fact, some, Kim, you know, it was a prophecy that this month, and we need to pray this to be true, that the Lord would redeem George Bush. Because I think one of the things is, is uh, you know, hey, that God wanted to protect Israel from being nuked or chemical, you know, chemical biological warfare being released on them. It may not have anything to do with us. He just wanted to use us. That's okay. I'd rather for God to use me, you know, to do something like that than not. All right, listen to this. This is what I really believe. This would be, you know, and I've got other stuff I'm going to share with you later probably, maybe, if the Lord lets me. But there's a grace, I believe, to find the Lord right now. You hear what I'm saying to you? I believe there is a grace from God right now. I believe God is reaching out to people. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people ain't responding to the Lord. Here's how I found out there was a grace for the Lord. Back last spring, all of a sudden, God started coming and talking to me more. And I was like, man, this is great. You know, Lord, I'm really enjoying Spending time with you, I mean, on a very consistent basis, you seem to be talking to me a lot and coming to me and speaking to me. And, you know, 
I really discovered that. And I think there's probably some other people who may have discovered, you know, that God is easily to find right now. He really is. And I wanted to read Isaiah 55. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It's just one verse. Um, but this is what it says. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In other words, there's a specific time, biblically, when God makes himself more available than at other times. God always has a purpose in what he's doing. When he's not real available, there's a purpose in that. Just, and it's just as wonderful on God's end anyway, not in our end. But there's a time, and I am saying to you this morning, and hear what I'm saying to you, now is a time to seek the Lord. Now is a time when you, He will be found by you. He is offering that to you. And I believe if you'll set your heart and make a decision of your will that you are going to seek the Lord at this time in your life, which means you may have to make some, some you know, decisions about some stuff. That, you know what I'm saying? There's decisions to be made. Things that you used to do, maybe not no more. I mean, it don't have to be seeing it, just maybe things. Uh, I feel this. If you'll reach out to God, you will find Him already reaching out to you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? He is already reaching. His hand is already there. All He's looking for is somebody to put their hand in it. Listen, when God visits that little visit that I had, which was a you know nothing thing, really, I mean, compared to what God could do and compared to what other people's visitations they've had, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do. I was headed down the road going to go do something else. I ain't going to tell you what I was going to do. It wasn't anything bad. It was just something recreational. And God showed up and started talking to me. And I believe He wants to show up and start talking to people. But I believe there has to be something where we make a decision that we're going to go after God. And we're going to give God that place in our life. And I believe as a church, we have to do that now. We have to. Um, Psalm 32, verse 6. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. See, it says that there's a time. You hear me? There's a time. The time is now where he can be found. Don't let your life do this to you. Don't let you know, just your everyday life keep you from God. Because yeah, it will. And, you know, it takes faith in all this, you know, this is the truth. I feel, this is the way I feel about me. When I am seeing in the Spirit, when I'm walking in the Spirit, I feel almost invincible. That's the way I feel. But when I step out of that, I am so whipped and so intimidated and so scared. It's like there's become two different things in my life now. There's the Byron who walks in the Spirit. I honestly feel invincible. Nothing really seems to faze me. I can go right past stuff. But when I'm in the flesh, those very things, I want to quit and run and go, go home and crawl under the bed. That's the way I feel and cry all the time. There's a big difference. But God has designed us to walk in the Spirit. Uh, it says, Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near Him. In other words, those who will find the Lord in the time to be found, because I also believe this, I think there's a deadly time coming in the earth. You know, that's why some of the, the flood of great wars, you know, this is an allusion to the flood that came on the earth. That's in Noah's time. That's really where the psalmist was getting this. He was using that as, as a representation that, you know, God protected those 
who found him when he could be found. There was a protection. There was an ark around them that protected them from the things that are coming on the earth. So I want to say there's, a one, there's wonderful things coming, but I also think there's terrible things coming too. There's difficulties coming. And, you know, it's like I was telling somebody other day, in our country it's like we've escaped it. You know, we escaped Y2K. It didn't happen. Everything didn't fall apart. We just escaped it, you know, by the, felt like by the skin of our teeth. It could have, it could have happened. It, it, you know, everything, it could have fell out. And then we've had this thing in Afghanistan, and it's like we escaped it. We just, yeah, we lost a couple of towers up there, but we as a nation have really escaped it. And then Iraq, we escaped it. You know, it's like we've escaped these things, but I believe there's a day coming when we are not going to escape it. It's just not going to happen always for us. And that's when the flood of water, of great waters come. But it says it will not come near you. It will not come near, near you. And this is not trying to instill fear in people. I'm just saying, from a biblical perspective, Jesus said to Jerusalem, you missed the day of visitation, and this is what's going to happen. They're going to tear the place down. They're going to tear it down. Jerusalem was destroyed. You know, a few years later, some years later. And a lot of those people, 70, a lot of those people who rejected the, the man, Jesus, died in the rubble. You know, I was getting mad watching that. That got me mad when I saw those religious guys and Jesus sitting down there. I was thinking, you know, the Romans didn't bother me. It was the religious crowd. It was, the, it was supposedly the church people that, you know, you get infuriated with. You want to take those sticks they had and just beat the fire out of them with them. You know, because there was the, was the Lord himself sitting there and they were rejecting him. And I wonder how much of that we're doing. See, that's the thing that really gets to me. If they did it, am I doing it? Are y'all with me? All right, we will protect you from things coming on the earth, the end. So, anyways, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I wanted to share this with you. I wanted to tell you this, but I believe what I'm saying to you. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, I'm really asking you, I'm asking you. Those of you who have gone to sleep, those of you who are lukewarm, those of you whose carcass has gone cold, wake up. Grab hold of God. He's already trying to grab hold of you. In fact, He's already got you. You really don't know that. He's hanging on to you. You know, but now's the time to seek the Lord and expect God to visit. But please be aware of this. He is going to come inconveniently. It's going to be, and it's going to not be very comfortable when He comes. It's not going to be comfortable. You hear what I'm saying? So let's just, hey, ask the Lord to visit us. I want, Lord, I want you to visit us. I want you to visit this church, Lord. I want you to get a hold of all these cold, dead hearts that I feel around me uh, all the time, Lord. I want my old cold, dead heart, Lord. I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to come and visit us and set us on fire, Lord Jesus. Um, I felt like during worship when we were singing Let It Rain and Open Up the Floodgates, the Lord told me to come up front and say something but then we prayed for Aaron and Heather and I felt like maybe I missed it but all while you've been talking about that the Lord wants to come visit us now I felt like during that while we're singing that song that um, that the Lord said you know you've been asking me a lot of you've been asking me for little things if you just do this if you just do this if you'd only do this if you'd only give me a little more money I could pay my bills or if you'd only help me love my wife a little bit more than this or 
And he says, no, I want to open up the floodgates, and I want to give you, I don't want to give you just a little money to pay your bills. I want to give you all of the money. And I don't want to give you just a little bit more love for your kids or a little bit more love for your wife, but I want, you to, I want to give you all of my love for your family and kids. And so I felt like with what Byron's saying is, you know, the Lord is here now. He wants to respond. He wants us to come up and respond. He wants to open up those floodgates. So if we could sing that song and... I mean, I'm just as guilty because I say, Lord, if you just do this, if you just do that, if you'd only do this. But he's saying, I want to do it. Not just, I want to do it extravagantly. And so I want to pray for people, and I want somebody to pray for me. Sorry. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, while we were sitting there, I was just feeling like this really goes along with what you were saying was. I felt like, okay, a lot of us, and this is really me saying to the Lord when Byron was talking toward the end was, okay, Lord, I feel this, and I really want you, and I really feel this time of grace for us to, to reach out to you. But then when I get home and I get in certain circumstances, I, it's not there, you know, and I'm really frustrated, and I'm really, and I'm, so I just feel like if I could just stay here, I could really experience the Lord, you know what I'm saying? But then I felt like the Lord said, you know what, Sarah, you don't have my perspective is the reason. You have your perspective on your life and your circumstances. You don't have my perspective. And my perspective is, and I'll just bear a little bit of myself for you because I really want you guys to get this. My perspective sometimes is if, if because sometimes now we've transitioned and we've taken in, in our home um, Matthew's son, who is my stepson, and we have him during the weeks, and it's really hard sometimes, honestly, you know. But I felt like the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, sometimes I feel like it's easy, but then when we get in the midst of things, it's like it's so hard. And how can I, how can I do this and experience you? And I felt like the Lord says, Sarah, you don't have my perspective. The reason I have him in your home is because I want him to experience me. I want him to be able to experience the absolute most that I have for that child. And it just got me. It set me right in the right perspective to have the perspective that he has a heart for this child to experience the visitation from the Lord. You know? And it just, whoa, that'll set you. You know? And it's like if we can get the Lord's perspective on our finances, on our life, you know, and what he is trying to do in that, then the problem is we have our own perspective and not his. That's exactly right. Amen. Well, Tim felt like we wanted to pray for people. I'm glad he said that. I always like to do that. You know, those who really want to, you know, believe the Lord wants to visit them or you or just feel like you need God to touch us to help you get there whatever. Uh, as they sang this song, if you want to come up, People lay hands on you and pray. Pray the will of God over your life. I just feel like, again, the Lord wants to touch lukewarmness. Uh, the Laodicean church, that's really what many believe is the last day's church is the Laodicean church. And that she was lukewarm with the Lord. But the, her lukewarmness came from the fact that she thought she was rich. That was really what her lukewarmness, she, that she had need of nothing. And that's where our lukewarmness comes from. So this morning, how we get rid of lukewarmness is to come to the Lord and recognize our blindness and our nakedness and our poorness and acknowledge that before Him.